You're listening to Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with me, Melissa Gonzalez. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with your host, me, Melissa Gonzalez. Today, we have John Orr on as our guest. He is Senior Vice President of Retail at Ceridian, an award-winning human capital management technology company serving organizations across the globe. Known for engaged employees, customer focus, and innovative products, Ceridian's cloud-based Dayforce HCM product is a single application providing retailers with control and real-time visibility for workforce management, task management, payroll benefits, HR, talent management, document management, and analytics. John also has a very interesting point of view about the future of retail, which we're going to talk about a little bit more today. John, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Melissa. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So I know I gave a, a, a brief introduction to Ceridian, but if you can drill a little bit deeper about Ceridian and, and the role that you play there. Sure. Thank you. Yeah, Ceridian has been uh, in the uh, HCM space for 50 years or so, but um, uh, most recently around uh, 2012 introduced uh, Dayforce, which is a global human capital management uh, solution that combines talent, workforce and payroll in one one solution. My role as SVP of retail, I've, I've spent about 30 years working with retailers around the globe. And it's it's been my life's work, Melissa, to create technologies that truly add value to retailers, to the bottom line, but also to empower their associates. And this is really an incredible sector, certainly the lifeblood of the economy. Absolutely. I think there's been so much conversation as well of the changing role of the sales associate and, and, and the tools that are empowering them um, to provide more, more value than ever to the consumer. Heading into 2021 and beyond, retailers really have continued to pivot and, and embrace new technologies within and without and, and outside of workforce. Can you tell us what do you see as some of the key priorities? Where do you think people will be focusing their attention in the year to come? Yeah, I wish I could nail it completely, 100% accurate, Melissa. But uh, I, you know what I'm what I'm seeing is certainly you know data science, um, you know has been with us for, gosh, our entire careers. But it's just now uh, being marketed, you know, properly, and of course, has taken decades to productize and apply. You know, the math is math. It's been with us for years, but it's those who can productize it in a meaningful way. Uh, that will find a lot of value. And we certainly see it remarketed as AI, ML, buzzwords for sure, but it's data science. So whether it's predictive, uh, seeing a lot of movement on the planning, budgeting, supply chain side of things, and on the prescriptive side of data science in the how to improve efficiencies and coverage, even down to the associate for benefits enrollment and alerting. Now we we introduced Dayforce Wallet last year at NRF. The adoption has been credible. And it's um, sometimes it's not the buzzwords that are the most meaningful. And I'll, I'll talk about Dayforce Wallet a little bit later, but through some research we recently did, it's really, um, sometimes it's a, it's a good balance between the new and old, you know, and sometimes we have to step back and be real pragmatic. Some of the top three challenges that we found uh, that the retailers are acknowledging are, are around things like inconsistent user experience across devices. 
And that's the majority of retail winners. Now, when I say winners, it's, a, you know, year over year revenue of 4% or greater. But they, they speak of at the executive level, user experience, the need for greater agility and flexibility. They've been too reliant on legacy designs and systems. So with COVID, it was, it was a catalyst. It was the poke in the side that really got a lot of retailers focused on, wow, you know, it's really hard for us to respond and be as agile as we need to be during these times. So they started looking at things like technology consolidation and streamlining. I spoke about user experience, but really visibility, being able to see uh, in their business in, in more of a real-time nature. I think a lot of them have found this new, I don't know if it's a newfound empathy. I think across the globe, we've all experienced greater empathy. Uh, and appreciation for people. And I'm, I'm certainly seeing it in retail in terms of the agreement, probably 75% of executives in the high growth retailers see customer facing employees as having a strong impact on their sales, on their productivity, on their profitability. And then really now I, I hope what persists is this engagement with the employees going forward, because that's a critical element that I think a lot of retailers have overlooked. No, I think that that makes complete sense. And I think that the conditions that we've lived in through COVID has really opened up a lot of people's eyes of what has been overlooked and how to reprioritize that. What do you think about when you see the adoption that consumers have making the possibilities of it when it comes to voice assistance, for example? Is it something that's going to translate from the home to the store environment? I believe so. I, even as, as a customer or an employee and, and at Ceridian, I, I, it's become a practice to not separate the two. The employee is the internal customer. And so both the customer and the employee are, are belong in this envelope of care and provisioning. And so I think as consumers, just like employees, they demand the interaction they want and need and desire in the form factor that, that's convenient for them. So absolutely, Melissa, I think voice activated touchless uh, interaction, whether it's an employee checking their earnings, managing their work-life balance, or an associate on the floor with the same device, uh, checking stock. And as more and more of the locations are, have become or becoming distribution centers, um, in, in essence, they're, they're, it's really about making sure they find the product, whether it's in their phys physical location or not, making sure that that journey is, culminates in a conversion of, of the product and service and voice activation across supply chains going to grow. Certainly, we've introduced a ton of assistance, team relate and other communicational preferences within the traditional HR workforce and, and talent uh, offerings we have. Absolutely. So what do you see as the technologies in the forefront of recognizing the rigidity of the disparate systems in place and kind of the lack of flexibility to enhancing an already streamlined typography? You know, how, how, do, we, how do we build more agility into our systems? Yeah, I think as we have, as we found, one is uh, when we came to market, we really tried to challenge uh, a lot of traditional barriers 
uh, why, why do things have to be in a batch mode? Why is, why is payroll have to be batched? Why, why does your budget or planning process have to be in overnight batch mode? And, and we really challenged everything to be more real time. And, and in doing that, we found a lot, of, a lot of derivative elements. Just the fact that HR, payroll, and workforce are one system, it allowed for speed. You know, retailers have had a need for speed for, for years. And they've always had data. It's about the information. So being able to help them uh, make decisions quicker, have better single access to more accurate information and just the synthesis across these systems that weren't able before because many retailers and depending on the sector you know if it's the grocery sector they tend to hold on to technology up to 10 to 15 years in some of the fast moving soft goods apparel areas it's three to five years so even within retail the technology curve is very different but getting rid of these kind of legacy designs that are really preventing these retailers from moving as fast as they need to. And I think it was super highlighted uh, this past year with COVID. It caught a lot of people a little bit surprised. And so a lot of the things they were putting off for years couldn't wait any longer. So we've certainly seen a revisit to how to consolidate and streamline and, and just think, Melissa, about compliance and what that means today. I think ACA was the first legislation that really forced HR payroll and workforce systems to work together because they had to, uh, to be able to comply. Now you're seeing predictability and fairness laws and other laws, uh, sick pay, that really require these systems to be real-time aware so that the, the predictability and fairness uh, fairness side uh, specifically requires it. And if you don't have a single system, it makes it really difficult to stay compliant. No, absolutely. I mean, do you see on-demand, how do you see that having legs? Gosh, the the on-demand pay, it's it's one of those things where, um, you know, the day force wallet, it was a derivative product, Melissa. We started out saying, let's let's make forecasting and payroll processing to net real-time, constantly churning and calculating so that a retailer has a real-time view of the costs. For example, the labor costs for the stores and the spa and the wage percent and those traditional KPIs. But, um, and then we said, well, no one else is doing this in real-time. We can tell you exactly up to the paired punch of what you've earned to net at any point during the day. So, so then when we did our research on uh, pay, we found that the majority of workers, especially the hourly workers, live paycheck to paycheck. And of course, there were options for them to get, get some money earlier, but it usually involves some sort of same day pay or something else that actually costs them more money. Um, and there were some other older payroll systems that would do it, but they didn't actually know what what someone actually earned to the paired punch. So they guesstimated it and put a bunch of provisions around it. And it actually cost the retailers more money to administer. And so we came to market with uh, the Dayforce wallet and introduced on-demand pay. And it was such a, a, a different thing for retailers to absorb and think about because they didn't think it was possible. But 
the adoption has been huge during COVID, allowing associates to access earnings. It was just a, a huge benefit uh, of care and provisioning that our customers found to be very important. And it's it's continued to grow. It's it's kind of Ceridian's way is why not? Why why not? break these barriers of traditionally accepted things and push beyond that and deliver better for retailers. Well, absolutely. So, so tell me uh, and our audience, what, what are some of the key tools that Ceridian offers today? Well, I spoke a little bit about the Dayforce wallet and the on-demand pay aspects of it. We also introduced uh, health and safety monitoring. We pivoted during COVID the whole company just re, just stopped and said, okay, now we, we have these roadmap items and plans, but what do our customers need now? And so we pivoted and reinvested in safety and health monitoring. We leveraged uh, some of the team relate that we do. It's, it's essentially a machine learning that asks a few questions of every employee and it, and it's the outcomes or it determines what type of, what's your, what are your core values as a person and what are your communication styles? And it really helped, you know, further engage with each person as an individual, just as retailers are saying it's a one-on-one-to-one journey and and customer experience. It's also important to have a genuine interest in your employees as individuals. And that certainly helped out quite a bit. The talent management side, the payroll and with the workforce management working together and providing synthesis across those different applications from the information you've had certainly has helped in the talent side and the skills. And especially coming off of COVID, the change in coverage that retailers have had to adopt to, whether you're an essential business or not, or those like Sephora who are Bringing, you know, bringing the coverage back on, but not to the degree or level of number of employees that they used to. So it's just changed the dynamic of the processing. So on the workforce side, we're able to adjust and adapt to the operational aspects um, of change. And then, of course, on the payroll side, address the reward uh, structures. And as retailers really look to improve PTO programs and other benefits to not only hourly, but part-time or full-time, but part-time employees uh, will just continue to uh, outpace uh, in the industry. That's great. So tell us for what you're able to share, any best-in-class examples? I mean, you've talked about a lot of the changes and challenges that had to be overcome over the past 12 months. Any best-in-class case studies, maybe a surprise, you know, where there was a challenge um, and the outcome was was maybe better or different than you expected? Yeah, we've uh, some of the the retailers that were at had an agile, creative, entrepreneurial culture going into COVID certainly thrived better than the ones that had to kind of re reinvent that within the companies. You know, with adapting to the environment and the constant flux of 2020, DSW, you know, DSW and Sephora, you know, were always digital darlings. They experimented in virtual environments, uh, shoe laters. Uh, I even saw DSW creating shoes right in front of you. You picked your color and style and it would create a shoe for you. Um, And they were always testing and pushing the bounds of that. But with... uh, 
DSW, they were able to fund hours based on, you know, weekly order totals and then distribute them throughout the week to ensure proper coverage and ship, you know, to be able to ship orders. And uh, workforce management was important to have their associates available for the sales floor. But as we've seen the shift in work and workers from uh, the traditional brick and mortar in-store experience to the role they play in the channel itself, they certainly adapted and leveraged that model that they had. In Sephora, they always specialized their uh, entertainers on the stages that they had. And it was very specialized. You'd have color folks, you'd have makeup folks, you'd have hair, and you'd have all these specialists with a Sephora footprint because of the distancing and the limited coverage. They had to readjust their entire operational model of a store and what it meant to where they had to consolidate and cover with a lot less people. So they moved from specialists to folks that could actually be more generalists across the different products and services they offered. And so it triggered a lot of a new training. The LMS that we provided helped them not only train on the new procedures and operational policies, but also in their, their role in the store. And so it certainly helped them both navigate and as retailers still are navigating back to what everyone was saying, you know, 2019 revenue levels. But I, I think the climate, the what's expected has changed. The, we won't be going back to 2019. It's only in the, the revenue levels and the year over year revenue growth that, that we're trying to get back to. But the customer experience and what's required has certainly changed. No, absolutely. But I think that's also the opportunity for those that step into it and do it right. You know, a lot of the tools, it's giving that agility. It's empowering the sales force, you know, in a different way, the store associates Mm -hmm. in a different way. And I think that those that lean into embracing that culture of innovation and agility are are going to be the ones that, that thrive and do the best in this environment and going forward. Absolutely. And I think the, if you think about Melissa, you know, we've, we've all talked about the five dimensions of service quality for years and, and the two that have really risen and I step back and I, I consider what I've experienced and seen is tangibles and empathy. Now, before, you know, if you're at a restaurant or shopping, you, you didn't want to see somebody cleaning right next to you or in front of you or spraying Clorox on the table next to you. Now it's expected. You want to see it. So, it, and a lot of the things we should have been doing, I hope will persist and keep going. And then the empathy side was, we always heard that employees are just important as the customer. But when, when the door was shut and decisions were made, it didn't always feel that way. Up until last year, two thirds of all retailers still hadn't deployed any sort of self-service mobile to their employees. Yeah. Right. But now they are. And, and and I hope that the the tangibles and the empathy will will be long lasting and persist because uh, uh, you know you make lemonade out of lemons and I I think that a lot of good things are going to come from this I already have. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. So you know how do you think retailers are best positioning or who you know to to see the the customer as the channel? I mean that's definitely a conversation we we've been having as well. 
we're, we're talking a lot about empowering the sales associate, but what are the retailers mm. that are best positioned themselves to see the customer as the channel? Yeah, I, I think the sometimes, you know, desperate time calls for desperate measures and and the impact of COVID really forced a lot of retailers to focus more on the customer, what they need, how they need it uh, than ever before. And I think that will continue, you know, will, will continue going forward to, to think about the customer experience and journey. And I, and I you know, Kohl's is, is a, a company and here's an example of a customer experience and a journey. And it's not limited to sales per hour uh, what did you sell this hour? It's about impacting individuals in their life. And when Kohl's started accepting, it's, it seems silly, but they started accepting Amazon returns uh, a year or so ago. And, and of course, when you do it, you'll get coupons and things to buy things at Kohl's. But what, what's really important and what people really, uh, retailers need to really think about and, and the customers will how did they help me help my parents who are 87 years old return shoes that they triple ordered by accident from Amazon? And my 87 year old parents to try to figure out how to return those other two pairs of shoes and, and get credit back on their card was just mind blowing to them. But I was able just to run it right up the, the road, hand it into Coles and done. And so it, I didn't buy and convert but they sure impacted and impressed upon me just a, a level of customer care in my journey and my experience that may have something to do with their products being purchased or not uh, was just a, an eye-opening thing of that. That is the experience and journey. Those things are what people are gonna latch on to and they're gonna be a lot more loyal to that experience, certainly far more than, than the brands themselves. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, that's the differentiator there. And customers, you know, they don't think how I'm interacting with the brand. They just, this is the brand I'm interacting with. Uh, who do you see as the winners? Who do you think are the ones that are leaning into the culture of innovation and agility and have, you know, maybe they benefited from being essential. And so they've been at the front lines the whole time, but that they're embracing this change um, and are infusing that into you know, their, their framework as an organization? Yeah, I, I think the, certainly the, the winners will be the ones that continue to push the bounds, consolidate um, their, their systems for their customers and their employees at the same time. And I, I think those that continue to provision a direct line of engagement with the employees, we know that you know, when, when you're in the top quartile, I think it was PwC, if you're in the top quartile of engagement within your sector of retail, you have a 34% profitability advantage than to those that don't. And Gallup followed up with, for those that are in that top quartile, there's about a 20% year over year productivity advantage to those retailers. So it's really the, the commitment to focusing on the employee because that magic moment with a customer is with that employee. And, and this really focused everyone on that magic moment that there's about 2.3 strikes before you're out. And as you mentioned, Melissa, it's not the brand as much 
it's certainly the experience. They're not loyal to a brand. They're more loyal to the experience. And you have 2.3 opportunities. If, if you don't get it right 2.3 times, you'll probably lose the customer for their lifetime spend, uh, which, which is significant. So I think it's kind of resetting back to some of the core basics that we all know are important in life. And if you convey that through your brand, um, those are going to be the winners. I, I absolutely agree. And I think that, I think also what we're talking about as a whole and, and being able to provide these tools that empower an engaged workforce with the customer focus and, um, it also creates this intangible goodwill internally, and that gets passed on to the customers in a, in a powerful way. Indeed, indeed, it does. It's 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 kind of like betting on the human nature of people, and be willing and able to to accept the lag, perhaps that may have in your market share growth and in your revenue growth. And I I think. Uh, some of the simple things in life it's, it's caused us all to return to. And, and the more the retail winners are the ones that are gonna be, be able to reflect it in their experience and how they, when you see a retailer doing something for you and it doesn't put a, a direct dollar in their pocket. I don't know about you, Melissa, but it makes me stop and go, wow, these, these are good people. And I wanna give them more business because they actually care. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. So last question, what's the future of human capital management technology to better empower, you know, the, the, the retail industry? What does it look like in the next two to five years? Yeah, I think we'll see more, you know, more real time processing, more, you know, faster, more accurate access to some of the operational aspects we, we've been looking at. We're also going to see a, a significant change in the IT market. And we've already started seeing it to some degree, but that extensibility market, the embracing your competitors on behalf of a retailer and those technologies um, are going to be more of, of a lot of different companies working more together uh, on the behalf of their customer, their retailer. And I think retailers will be doing that too. So the walls of of uh, intellectual property, you know, defense and, and let's, you know, build it all here are going to break down to where it, we have to move faster as a community uh, and as, as people in the industry to really on behalf of retail, deliver the best in class solutions and the companies uh, like ours and others that can really embrace uh, competitive extensibility and, and a partner ecosystem, both from a software technology and a people consulting perspective, is going to really start growing. And those that can embrace it and do it will will have uh, a lot higher growth than than those that don't. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think that that's that's what's been emphasized more than ever here too um, in the past twelve months is is being able to embrace a lot of the things that you spoke about today. I think that what you guys are doing is really important for the industry and appreciate the insights that you shared here and where you think that new technologies are going and you know how to stay at the forefront of that and and really how you know that trickle down effect of really better empowering your your associates is going to create a, a more powerful customer experience at the end of the day and really leaning into that culture of innovation and agility. 
So I really appreciate today's conversation. Um, thank you for joining us today and, and sharing your insights with us. Well, thank you very much, Melissa. And I'll, I'll keep tabs on what you're doing too, because I found it very insightful. Just even the CEO, I think it was a PGA Superstore. Oh yeah, yeah, that was, was a popular one. Yeah, it was interesting. You know, just some of the experiential things that, uh, that he spoke about, but uh, yeah, thank you very much and enjoyed this. Look forward to um, reading more uh, and listening more to, uh, to your podcast. No, absolutely. Thank you again, everyone. This was John Orr, Senior Vice President of Retail at Ceridian. Thank you so much for your time today. Mm-hmm.